0: You're either going to have fear of God issues or you're going to have fear of man issues. And my, my thing is, as pastors and church leaders, we should never be scared of guilt by association. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we believe your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth as a leader really does make a difference. As always, I'm here with my co host Logan. Logan, how are you doing today? Hello, everyone. Logan, recently we were talking about your brother fishing in the lake.
1: Oh, I knew it was coming up at some point. And, I didn't and know. Logan, it was be the podcast. what kind of
0: fish did you say that your brother caught in the lake?
1: I mistakenly said that a sea bass could be caught <laughs> in Jocassee Lake.
0: Which is a lake, a freshwater lake, and your brother was catching sea bass. But when we challenged you, you called your <laughs> brother and found out he had actually caught what? Turns out it was a trout. It was. <laughs> it, was
1: <laughs> it was a trout fish.
0: Big difference, It doesn't
1: even sound as nice. Sea bass l- versus trout.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I did not hire her for her fishing skills, but she is an Excellent director here at the Growth (laughs) Company. She does a great job. That's hysterical.
1: And last week, we put on the Online Church Growth Conference. We did. We did. And that was a success. People loved that.
0: I feel like it was. We had a lot of interaction online, and we had some people in the room, too. So, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, you
1: said something during the conference that, it made me laugh, but it was also, it was a really good point. A lot of the people in the room, they were shaking their head. They resonated with it. You mentioned the damn good message guy. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners that story?
0: Yeah. So... One of the things that I talk about in church world is if we're if we're hitting our target, uh, we're going to have what I call the damn good message guy, and where I got this was I was standing in the lobby one Sunday after preaching, and um, a guy walked up to me. <laughs> I'll never forget this. He was like, preacher, I ain't been to church in 30 years, and I was like, that's awesome. He goes, that was a damn good message. Now... At that point, um, you have to make a decision. Like, are you going to correct his language and talk about profanity in the scriptures? Or are you going to realize that this guy is back in church for the first time? And And enjoying it. And enjoying it. In fact, so much so that he complimented you. And so um, I just remember in that moment, I just I just hugged him and said, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Next and time you
1: need to say, it was a damn good message, Yeah, that's boy. what I'll say next it time. It was. <laughs> but
0: my thought was this. He was in church, and instead of uh, trying to correct his language or whatever, it, it was like, you know what? Let, let the unchurched person act like an unchurched person because that's who they are, and— Um, And so that's the story. That's how the whole idea came up where there are going to be people, if you're reaching people far from God, that don't know uh, how to dress, don't know how to talk, don't know how to act. um, And you got to be okay with that.
1: I agree. So when you're planning a message, how much of it is purposefully planned to adhere to that unchurched group of people? Well,
0: it depends on the vision of the church. Uh, You're either going to reach... Um, church people or unchurched people. Now, there are some that say that a balance can be struck, but I'm not sure that it can. Because, for example, if you're going to get on stage and say, well, you know the story of Dave and Goliath. Well, your church people do, but your unchurched people don't. If you're going to use a biblical illustration, um, it's going to connect with church people, but Unchurched people aren't going to get it. Or, for example, let's say you're quoting someone. Um, one, of the, one of the people I like to quote is Andy Stanley. I think Andy Stanley is a phenomenal leader, author. He could sell shoes, and he would be the best shoe salesman in the world. Um, but if I'm giving an Andy Stanley quote, instead of saying, Andy Stanley said, because what that does, it communicates to church world, that I listen to Andy Stanley. In the meantime, Unchurched World is trying to figure out who's Andy Stanley. Who is this guy? And so they, they're Googling him immediately on their phones and not listening to what I say. So I'll still quote Andy, um, but I'll say, I heard a friend of mine say once, or I heard a guy say this once, or um, in a, a lot of cases, somebody much smarter than, than me said one time, and then I'll do that's quote. how you set up the quote. Yeah, and that's how you set up the quote. So rather than quoting Andy Stanley or Robert Morris or Rick Warren, you're you're still quoting them, but you're you're not making it confusing. You're not for, using
1: the insider language.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anytime we use word like, anytime we use words like redemption or sanctification, or this is the freaky one washed in the blood of the lamb. Now, Hallelujah. let's stop for a minute. Let's stop for a minute. I love Southern gospel music. That's a, that's a secret about me that a lot of people would never guess. I really do love Southern gospel music. I grew up on it. And, um, the phrase washed in the blood of the lamb is in just about every other Southern gospel song. And it's a Logan you're much younger than me. I grew up in a church background where that was that was a good place for people to start shouting and waving tambourines. Um, it, it calls a shouting spell, but when you say in today's culture washed in the blood of the lamb
1: all the vegans go crazy
0: well yeah okay number one all the <laughs> vegans are like no but second of all your friend is looking at you going hey dude if they bring a goat out on stage I'm gone I'm just I'm just, I'm just leaving because they they think it's literal so we've got to think through our language and it does not mean let me let me emphasize this this does not mean we dumb down the gospel. It means we learn how to speak a language. This is what I've always said. If I went to, um, um, if I went on a mission trip and I went to a foreign culture and learned how to speak another language, people would call me an excellent missionary because I stepped into a culture and I learned how to speak their language. As a 47-year-old man, I need to learn to speak to 20 and 30-year-old people. Um, on the foreign mission field, for some reason, we call that being a great missionary, but in America, for some reason, we call that compromise. And I don't really understand the difference when we're just trying to speak the language that people are speaking um, in our in our very own culture.
1: Ooh, right, and we end right there, and we're done. I'm no, just kidding.
0: Well, there's more on the page. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that was really good. But what what are some examples of things that you've done or things that you want to do at Second Chance Church? Um, to help make those unchurched people feel more welcome.
0: This is the one thing I've discovered, and it's the secret I learned the hard way when it comes to communicating, and it's this. People identify with our failures way more than they identify with our success stories. True. And so um, I grew up in an era where the pastor, and, and, and this was acceptable, this was actually expected, where the pastor, when he was giving an illustration about himself, he always did the right thing. And it was an example on, hey, you can do the right thing. Well, at some point, um, I think people began to value authenticity more than perfection. And so when they can't, and if somebody always does the right thing, I can't identify with you. You know, people. I can't identify, you can't identify, we can't identify with people that always do the right thing. So, like when you're given a message, and it says, "I," you say, I was driving down the street, and somebody cut me off. Okay, old school, they would say, and immediately I prayed for that person, and I thanked God for the opportunity to develop patience. All right, that's less than 1% of the 1% of people that actually do know Jesus. The rest of us are are cussing in that moment where we we're, i mean a cuss word we are thinking it or we're saying it out loud repetitively over and over again so so if you say i prayed for that person nobody can connect as the communicator but if you go and all of a sudden man a w- you don't even have to say i cussed you you can say a word flew out of my mouth that i was not very proud of well right. automatically everybody in the room just connected with you except for the few pharisees that have rocks that wanted to kill somebody when they showed up at church that day anyway that's so right so so that's my thing is people identify more with our weaknesses than they do our our strengths and that is that is something that helps us connect to people who are attending our church services
1: so okay here's a question is the goal to make the church people leave the building like I feel like that might be a little backwards. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's the big idea. You're, as a communicator, especially in the day and age we live in now, you're going to have to decide which group of people you're going to offend. Because you're going to offend one group or the other. So are you going to offend the group of people that jesus actually came to reach or are you going to offend the group of people that actually killed him mm. that there, there's two groups of people there's the religious and there's the irreligious and i would rather the religious be offended a perfect example of this logan i got a buddy of mine uh that see notice i didn't use his name i got a buddy of mine and he was telling it's me it's not about andy stanley that, no it's <laughs> not andy stanley it's not there used to be and some people will um know what I'm talking about. In fact, we used one of these at Second Chance at first. Remember that lapel mic I used to have, and I used to just like put it right here on my lapel? Well, those were really, really, really popular in the 80s and 90s, and, um, and the big thing was the guy at the soundboard had to make sure that when the pastor preached the message, and then he came down to meet people for the invitation, that the mic was off. Because if the mic was on, then you got to hear what everybody was confessing at the altar, right. which I kind of like personally. But um, a, a friend of mine left his, you know, he, he, the sound guy didn't cut his mic off. A guy walks down the aisle and says, I want to pray to receive Christ. I want to I get saved. And, the, and so the whole church is hearing this. Um, but the pastor's kind of caught up in the moment, and he didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, do you want to pray your own prayer Or would you like to lead me in a prayer? And the guy said, I think I can pray my own prayer. And the pastor said, Okay, go for it. And he so he leans down and puts his head like on the pastor's shoulder and he's praying. The pastor's got his arm around him, giving him a hug. And the guy prays this prayer. He says, Dear Jesus, I'm not worth a damn. But if you could save a guy like me, come into my heart. Now, personally, I think that is amazing, but people in this guy's church got angry.
1: What? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. They got angry that he said the word damn in his salvation prayer. Now, personally, I don't think God said, you know what? That's a foul. You know, no. Heartfelt
1: salvation prayer. And it
0: was incredible. But once again, religious people always find something to get mad about. So I'm not about, like, intentionally trying to make people angry, but there are some things that happen, and you know they're going to make people angry, and you just got to decide, who am I going to offend? Once again, the group that Jesus hung out with or the group that killed him. Those are the only two options.
1: So, in other words, there's not necessarily a line that you need to teeter between for the unchurched people feeling welcomed and then the church people feeling comfortable there's not that line that's right or wrong. You're going to step on one side if you do this or one side if you do that. It's more so you just you go with what you know is right and what Jesus would do.
0: Yeah, it, it, once again, it all comes back to the vision of your church. Do you really, really, really want to reach unchurched people, messy people? This is what I've—and you've heard me say this a lot lately. Everybody says they want to reach messy people until the messy people show up. And then all of a sudden, it gets real crazy. So if you're going to go after messy people, you're just going to have some, um, I'll be honest, slightly uncomfortable situations. Right. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Okay. For example, for example, um, let's say a girl walks into church and uh, the people are standing around and going, she's, well, she's dressed like a slut. She's dressed like a slut. Okay. Well, she's in church. And this might be the first time that she's been in church in 10, 15 years or ever. So let's stop focusing on the way that she's dressed and let's just let her come into the service and let's be nice to her rather than kind of giving her the up and down look with her eyes and like the disgusted look on her face. You know, she's, you know, you know what? She dressed that way. She probably got a reason might be the only clothes, nice clothes she has. Right. We, we don't know. We don't know. But just, let's just celebrate the fact that they're there rather than they didn't show up in a nice, pretty package saying all the right things.
1: So what is your response when a person does approach you about them having an issue with something going on in the church?
0: Well, it's, I always listen because mm-hmm. I think it's really, really neat to listen, um, and then, typically, I'll repeat back to them what they just said to me. So, I, it'll be like, um, I'm offended because I heard that guy cuss in the lobby. Okay? So, you're offended because you heard a guy cuss in the lobby. Yes. And okay. then they
1: have to hear what they're they actually have to hear Yes, yes.
0: Because, at the end of the day, it just means we're meeting the right people. And, God, Second like Chance is probably a staff member. So... <laughs> So that's true. So I yeah. So it it's just listen and then have them repeat it back to you because a lot of times a lot of times people can pick up on what they're saying.
1: Right. So if you could say one thing, just one thing, to a pastor who knows his church needs to be more accommodating to unchurched people, but he's afraid of how his congregation is going to respond, what would you say to him?
0: Keyword in that question, Logan was afraid. You're either going to have fear of God issues or you're going to have fear of man issues. And my my thing is as pastors and church leaders, we should never be scared of guilt by association because Jesus was not scared of guilt by association. People were calling him a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinners because that's who he hung out with. And so if that's what they labeled Jesus, why in the world would we think we're, we're going to escape labels as well? Like, liberal or compromising or whatever, at the end of the day, as pastors and church leaders, we can only have churches that reach people far from God if we model what it looks like to not be scared of guilt by association when it comes to people far from God.
1: Mm, We went in on this podcast, y'all.
0: We did. We did. And it's at the end of the day, it's all about growth. And I think growth is way more than sheep swapping, like people leave one church to come to another church. I think growth is really reaching what I call the unchurched, and in the southeast, it's the dechurched. Because let's face it, right. in the southeast, people don't go to church. It's not because they can't find one; it's because they've actually been to one. And and so, if we're going to reach the unchurched and the dechurched, um, it's like a friend of mine once said. Actually, this was Craig Rochelle. Um, I can say <laughs> it because it's on the podcast. If we're going to do what nobody's ever done, we've got to be willing to do what nobody's been willing to do. And so it's, I'm I'm not, he probably said it way better than that, but it's true. So just know we're here at the growth company. If we can help you, we've got all kinds of resources at our website. I want my church to grow.com. I want my church to grow.com. Um, some PDFs we've got and, and we do these really cool incredible on sites. and there's more information on the website about that so if you want to check it out great if not we'll be back next week to talk about another incredible subject on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast thanks for joining in today thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast we hope you had a blast spending time with us for more thoughts on leadership visit Perry's blog at perrynoble.com